Welcome to the Finance Cafe, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that is changing the narrative around finance, business, and women. Your hosts are Shannon Peston, former banker, and Shauna Frederick, CFO on the go. They are the founders of the Finance Cafe and creators of the online business financial literacy program designed specifically for women entrepreneurs. As women entrepreneurs themselves with strong finance backgrounds, they have an understanding of the unique challenges and opportunities that women in business face. The conversations you will hear each week from diverse women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them will not only educate, but inspire. At the Finance Cafe, we support women entrepreneurs just like you to feel capable, confident, and connected, not just to your business and finances, but to each other. Thanks to the support of the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, part of the Government of Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Strategy that aims to increase women entrepreneurs' access to financing, talent, networks, and expertise, we are thrilled to bring you Season 2 of the Finance Cafe Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Frederick, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Laura Churchill. Laura is a senior manager at Grant Thornton in St. John's, Newfoundland, who obtained her CPA designation in 2017 and completed her CBV designation in 2020. She focuses primarily in business valuations and transactions and services clients in a broad range of industries. Laura is also an ENLO ambassador for the Newfoundland and Labrador Organization of Women Entrepreneurs. And for fun, she enjoys camping with her family and her dogs. Welcome, Laura. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thanks, and thanks for having me. So, Laura, today we are going to talk about something that you are highly experienced in, which is business valuations. And I'm excited to have this discussion today, mainly because understanding the value of your business is so important for women entrepreneurs. It can help them to obtain financing, to strategically grow at the right time, and more importantly, highlight areas that may need attention. So tell me, Laura, how did you get into the valuation side of business? So I actually have worked with Grant Thornton for a number of years now, and I did originally start out in assurance, so completing mainly audits, but I did just have an interest in kind of getting involved in something a little different. And I did really enjoy the valuation side of things and just working with clients to help them put a succession plan in place and truly understand what drives the value of their business. That's so important. And I'm sure you've seen throughout your practice that when many entrepreneurs come into the office, they don't have that clear understanding of of what their business is worth. And sometimes they often just simply look to the financial statements and that retained earnings number and say, well, that's what it's worth. That's so true. That happens more often than not. I've noticed a number of clients either have no idea what their business is worth, or they definitely just veer towards the retained earnings on their financial statements. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's so important to note that it's through no lack of of understanding through, you know, as you're going through business, women entrepreneurs, we're not trained in business valuations. This is why you go through the CBV program, which is the, remind our listeners, what's the CBV program? Yep. It's the Chartered Business Valuator Program. So it's a designation that I obtained a few years ago. Right. And so that gives you the training and the tools over two years on how to properly value companies. For all of our listeners out there, 
you don't need to know what your the value of your business is. This is why you know individuals like Laura, the professionals are out there to help you. So Laura, what was interesting to me is Scotiabank released a report in March of 2020 noting that understanding the financial worth of businesses was at top of the list for business owners. We talked about some of the reasons help to obtain financing, you know, help understanding what your business is worth helps in so many ways. So in addition to you talked about uh, succession planning, personal wealth, right? Informing, you know, succession, estate planning, legal proceedings, assigning shares. So why else do you think it's important that people understand, women entrepreneurs understand the value of their business? So I think it's important for a number of reasons. I mean, you touched on most of them, but if I think about succession planning and making sure that you have a plan in place so that you can eventually retire, understanding the true value of your business is important from that perspective. And it's really just great information to understand. It allows you to think about what truly drives the value of your business and you can focus on improving those things for an eventual sale. I love that understanding what drives the value of the business. So let's talk about, is there a quick and easy way for our listeners to look at their financials and say, here's what my business is worth? There are a number of rules of thumb out there and they do vary by industry. So you may commonly hear reference to a multiple of earnings or a multiple of EBITDA. And EBITDA is actually your earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation. But I think the key is really to understand what truly drives the value of your business. So is it driven by the assets that you own? Or is it the cash flows that your business generates? Is it a result of a number of contracts that you have been awarded? Or is it really because of your brand recognition? It's also important to understand that price may not always equal the value that's on paper. So I never recommend that clients provide a business valuation report to a potential buyer. Really what this does is it sets the ceiling for price negotiation. And there are actually a number of reasons why someone may be willing to pay more. As one example, maybe a buyer owns a similar business and they would like to expand into your region. So they're willing to pay a higher price for that. Or maybe your product and service or service is complementary to theirs, and it would allow them to expand their own business. Interesting. So obtaining that business valuation through an accredited valuator like yourself is really for the owner of the business to give them the sense of, okay, here's where sort of the ballpark is. Here's, here's what it's worth, but not providing that if you're looking at selling your business. Absolutely. So Laura, you talked about asset-based versus cash flow. So understanding what drives the value of the business. So can you help our listeners understand the difference? So asset-based approach, or it's also commonly referred to as the adjusted net book value approach, is used in the absence of positive cash flows or for holding companies when the value is really attributable to the assets that the company owns. So what it is, is essentially the fair market value of the assets owned less the fair market value of liabilities. And the income-based approach is used when the value is driven by the company's cash flows or earnings. So it looks at the earnings per year adjusted for normalizing items such as non-recurring expenses or expenses that are discretionary in nature. And what it does is it determines a level of earnings that is maintainable going forward into the future. So from there, there's a risk assessment, which is then translated into a multiplier, which is the multiple of earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation that you may commonly hear referred to. Right. So we often say, you know, take your earnings and multiply it by five, and that's what your business is worth. 
but it's a Correct. lot more it's a lot more complex than that as you talked about factoring in those those non-reoccurring items which i think i want to talk about that in in a minute but if we go back to the asset-based approach you talked about the fair market value of items how is fair market value determined so fair market value is really what you would be able to sell those assets for in the market sometimes it could be for a building and maybe you might want to get an appraisal completed to understand what the true fair market value of that building is and then for liabilities it's really the fair market value of what you have to pay to settle those liabilities right so from an asset approach it's truly what if you were to sell it to a third party what that third party is willing to pay for it that's right perfect great information so when we look at doing evaluation for business, so you talked about getting business valuation done and not necessarily giving it to the supplier. So why does the valuation method, so when we look at asset-based versus cash flow based why does the valuation method matter if you're a buyer versus a seller? So when you're buying or selling a business, I guess you should really make sure that you understand what it is you're selling or buying and whether the valuation method is consistent with that. So as an example, valuing a holding company that owns a number of rental properties based on a multiple of cash flows may not be appropriate if the value is truly what the fair market value of those properties themselves are. Business valuation reports usually conclude on both an enterprise value and an equity value. So I guess the simplest way to explain the difference between these is by comparing it to selling your house. So let's say you have a house that you're selling on the market for a price of $300,000, but you actually have a mortgage of $200,000 remaining on that. In this case, your equity value is $100,000 or the amount of proceeds that you would keep after paying off the remaining mortgage. The enterprise value is the $300,000 that the buyer is paying. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about transactions, the majority of transactions are often on a debt-free basis, but deal terms can vary. So it's really just important to understand what you're purchasing and what's actually included in that deal. Interesting. Interesting. And when we look at a business valuation report, so what is what does that look like? What's included in that report that you are providing to your clients? So a business valuation report at a high level would really provide a conclusion and it's always provided in a range of value. And it's based on the method that is most applicable for the company's particular situation. Perfect. So you're going to get the, the valuation report, what's going to provide you just a range of here's sort of the market value of your particular company at this point in time. Right. So if, if yes. you know, something dramatically changes in your company in the next six months, year, et cetera, then you should consider an evaluation. Is that correct? That is correct. And that's a very good point. Every valuation report is done at a point in time. So it's very important to note that if something has drastically changed within your business since the last valuation report, the value could be very different than it was at the time the report was completed. So high level, when we think about drastic changes, a new significant contract? Yeah. So a new significant contract, if you opened a new division or a new location, or if you stopped selling a certain product line, anything that would really change the underlying cash flows and the profits generated by the business. Great information. When we think about our listeners and they're saying, okay, I want to go and get a valuation done for my business. What do they need to prepare to go in and have this done? So usually financial statements are definitely the starting point. Ideally, we would want to look at financial statements for the past three to five years. 
And in some cases, a forecast for the future earnings may be relevant as well. So as an example, if the business is growing or if historical earnings are not reflective of what you're expecting for the future, I would also recommend that you give some thought to any non-recurring or discretionary revenues or expenses in the past or any transactions that may have not been at fair market value. So as an example, business owners do not always pay themselves a salary that's equal to fair market value. And I believe this was actually noted in Scotiabank's report as well. So it's important to understand that the value should really consider the payment of these salaries at fair market value. Another common one is rent. In some cases, business owners may rent a space from a family member or they might have a holding company which owns the building and the operating company is not paying rent at fair market value. So you would wanna give some thought to those things as well. That's a really great tip, Laura, because oftentimes if we're not paying fair market salaries or rent, our profits are going to be overstated. Therefore your valuation needs to account for for these expenses. Is that true? That is correct. We would always look at the fair market value of expenses, regardless of whether you're actually paying those or not. Now, you mentioned ideally that you would like financial statements for the past three to five years. What if we have a startup business that's only been in business one or two years, they'd like to bring on another shareholder and they need to determine what the value of the business is. Is that still something that can be done? That is definitely still something that can be done. In that situation, I would say any financials that are available would absolutely be helpful. We would also want to look at the balance sheet for the company. And if you do have a forecast prepared for the company, that could be helpful as well. Mm-hmm. So you talked about financial statements. What about additional information? Like if there's any significant contracts that are that are in the works or already signed, is that information that's important during evaluation? Absolutely. Any contracts that are signed. Also, if there have been any appraisals completed for properties. Laura, you've talked a lot about one-time non-reoccurring or discretionary items. Can you elaborate a bit for our listeners to explain what and provide examples on what some of these would look like? Yeah, so a non-recurring item is really an expense or even a revenue item that you may have had in one year, but it is not necessarily an annual expense. So one example may be if you were going to move to a new location and there were costs associated with that move that were not truly expenses that you would have in future periods. Discretionary items, one thing that comes to mind is donations or sponsorships. So really just expenses that you as a business owner may choose to spend, but are not necessarily essential for operations. Excellent. And I think a timely topic as we're coming through COVID for any companies that have received COVID relief. So the wage subsidies, rent subsidies. So would those be considered one-time non-recurring items? Definitely. We would always look at whether or not those COVID subsidies are recurring or not. And I think in a lot of cases they aren't. And I guess during COVID, we would really want to try to normalize the earnings to look at what a normal year would look like. Oh, that's a really great point for all of our listeners out there that whether or not you've had a difficult year because of COVID, 
the evaluator will will look to that and say, you know what, this wasn't a normal year. We, would you exclude that year or would you simply, you know, bump it up to what historical years have shown? I think it really depends on the circumstance. And I mean, it depends on the industry as well. In some cases, it may be uncertain what is going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And in other cases, there are actually businesses that really thrive during COVID. So it's really trying to understand how much of that is going to return to historical levels or what does the new normal look like? Uh, an entrepreneur's worst, worst answer to a question as, as a, most accountants do, because it does depend, you know, what's the answer? It well, does. it depends because it, it absolutely does. It, like you said, industry timing, you know, what things are looking like going forward. So the importance again, of engaging a professional like yourself, Laura, to go through something like this, because you'll look to all of the details and ask all of the right questions in order to get to the right bottom line. So Laura, let's recap some of the things we've talked about. So one thing that comes to mind that I would like just our our listeners to be reminded of is the importance of paying yourself a fair salary. So why is that important again when it comes to valuations? So paying yourself a fair salary is important for a number of reasons, but I guess when it comes to valuations, whether or not you pay yourself a fair salary, if you're looking at the value of your business, you really have to factor in that that salary would have to be paid or at least factored into the valuation conclusion. Paying yourself a fair salary as an entrepreneur is not only important for you as an individual, but to help determine the valuation of your company. Laura, what about ratios? You know, we talk a lot about the financial statements and the information that you can get out of your financial statements. Are there any ratios that entrepreneurs can look at to monitor the value of their business? And I know not all entrepreneurs are accountants, but just investing some time into understanding your financials can be very beneficial as a business owner. So by understanding your financial information, it really just helps you plan ahead and it helps you understand what drives the value of your company. And it really allows you to look at these ratios and monitor what is improving or what things you may need to focus on. So there are a number of ratios that might be helpful. Some that come to mind are debt to equity, current ratio, so what your current assets are in comparison to your current liabilities, or your working capital ratio. Mm -hmm. No, great tips. And I love the fact that you brought in the importance of understanding and looking at your financial statements. And in order to do that, your financial information and your statements need to be up to date. So by having maintaining and keeping those up to date, you'll be able to look at the information and again, help tell the story of your business to look at that debt to equity or those current ratios, your total assets over your current liabilities and say, you know what, maybe this is a bit lopsided. Your current liabilities are larger than your current assets. It's going to to give you the indication that you're going to run into cash flow problems. Laura, what other ratios would you advise business owners to look at when they're looking at the value of their company? Some other ratios that come to mind are inventory turnover and accounts receivable turnover. So those are really important in understanding how fast you're selling your inventory and also how fast you're collecting on your receivables. I love those two. We talk a lot about in the financial literacy program for women entrepreneurs about inventory being little stacks of dollar bills on your shelf that you can't use until you sell that inventory. (laughs) So being able to track, you know, how quickly you're able to take those dollar bills off the shelf to use them and accounts receivable. 
Accounts receivable, the cash is not in your prop pocket to use until you collect that from your customer. So making sure that you're tracking how quickly you're collecting from your customer. So love those two. So Laura, any other advice or tips for women entrepreneurs about business valuation? Some tips that I would have are definitely taking time to understand your financials. And I guess aside from that, considering how you can decrease risk for your company and maximize the price on a future sale. So as an example, having a strong management team or employees that can run the business is something that would be attractive to a buyer. Knowing that they don't have to dedicate all of their time in the day-to-day operations and just having more than one team member who can run the business definitely helps to decrease risk. Another thing that comes to mind is broadening your customer base. So this really helps to reduce risk as well in comparison to having one large customer. Over the past couple of years, the pandemic has definitely shown us that we can connect virtually, which may actually present an opportunity to expand your reach and broaden that customer base. Such great tips, Laura. I love that. And you're absolutely right. The ability to connect globally has has really shown through the pandemic something that something good that's come out of something bad is that ability to expand our reach. So absolutely great tips. Laura, you have provided us with some great information, a lot of information for our listeners to to take in. So I just want to recap a few things for our listeners. The biggest thing is speak to a professional when when you're going through this. Reach out to Laura and her team to ask her the questions. There's so many rules of thumb that vary by industry, and there's not one specific method that's going to work for everyone. So being able to connect with a professional is going to is going to support you in taking this journey. And it's not only looking at when we're selling our business, right, Laura, it's also looking at understanding the value when we're when we're seeking financing, something that we talked about at the beginning. And I think you touched on succession planning. So as we're phasing our, our business to the next generation, and it's something that we think about, you have to think about not at that point in time, but even when you're starting out, would you agree, Laura? Definitely. I would, I would absolutely agree with that. It's definitely something that you need to keep in mind when you're starting out and when you're thinking about those succession plans or any future financing that you may want to obtain. Love that. And simple tools that you as a business owner can use pull out those financial statements, those up-to-date financial statements, look at some of your ratios, your debt to equity, your current ratio, your working capital ratio, accounts receivable turnover, inventory turnover. All of these tools will give you some great information in order to assess the business decisions that I'm making are working, or you know, I may have you know, a few tweaks to make. So great information. Laura, I thank you so much for taking the time today. So if our listeners want to get in touch with you, where can they learn more about you? Absolutely. They can find me on LinkedIn at Laura Churchill and they can reach out anytime. Fantastic. And we'll put the LinkedIn handle on the show notes when the podcast is released. Laura, I thank you so much again for taking the time to share your excellent knowledge with our listeners. Thank you everybody for tuning in. And just a reminder, you can find out more about the Finance Cafe at thefinancecafe.ca where you can learn more about how to enroll in our financial literacy program for women entrepreneurs. Thank you everybody and have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. Want to dig deeper? As a valued listener, we'd love to offer you an exclusive discount to our financial literacy program. Use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off. 
Visit thefinancecafe.ca to join or to take our free financial literacy quiz. We would be so grateful if you could show some love for your favorite financial podcast. Just like, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you are listening from and help other listeners like you connect with us. See you again next week on the Finance Cafe podcast.